Thanks for tuning in. We've got a recap of last night's basketball proceedings at the Yingling Center. Unfortunately, another stifling by the opponent. More on that in just a second. Bulls lose to Tulane 76-57. Tonight, hopefully things turn around for women's basketball against a team they started off conference play so hot and so strong against. If they can relive those moments, it's going to be a happy night for the Bulls who start this key stretch of five games left in the regular season all against teams outside the top 100, and we point that out a couple times on yesterday's show, and I probably should complete the sentence. The deal with that is if you beat a team outside the top 100, your ranking's not going up. If you lose to a team outside the top 100, you're sliding, and that makes it more important to take care of business and get play going. We'll preview that one for you and have some highlights of, yes, there was a time when the Bulls were draining three-pointers with ease and not even much drama. It was called the first quarter the last time these teams have played. So that's something we'll actually play for you here. We'll also have a chance to replay the entire game as we lead up to tonight's broadcast on Bulls Unlimited. In our second segment, some golf. I was able to get out to the claw yesterday and speak with men's golf coach Steve Bradley along with Albin Bergstrom, who has some incredible accolades that or tied to his name, all laid out on GoUSFBulls.com that I knew he was the best golfer, I knew he was a great golfer, but then you see some of this stuff, like, you know, he's the got the best scoring average in school history, that kind of thing, and that's just where it starts. So you'll hear both of those guys in our second segment. So the game started off wonderfully last night at the Yingling Center. I was there as promised before. You had the conference champion teams, women's basketball from the spring, of course, we're talking about baseball as well as women's soccer, all signing autographs. Saw Jeff Scott and his daughter Savannah going up and down the line getting some autographs, and that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, tonight, some really cool autographs. The football team, you heard me right, the football team is going to be set up on the one side of the Yingling Center before the game tonight, 6.30, and then at halftime, there's going to be a meet and greet with the new coordinators, Bob Shoup and Travis Trickett. So go to the Yingling Center tonight. If you're, a, of course, a women's basketball fan, but especially if you're a football fan, because there's going to be a huge football presence at that game. We'll get, again, into a preview here shortly, tell you what Cincinnati's been up to. But once the game got started last night, looked like it was going to be a fun one. Outlet pass, left side, Javon Green on the baseline, goes around a man, fires a pass inside, caught by Walker, right in point-blank range, and the layup is good. Green set it up, and Walker finished it. Caleb Murphy on a right side pass to Sam Hines, and Tulane will zone you to death. Corey Walker at the high post, dumps it out to Murphy. He's going to put it on the floor, gets to the baseline, pull-up jumper, good on a floater by Caleb Murphy, and he hits his first shot. Dump pass inside, she was down in his office. Jump hook right hit, is good. Cross hands it off to Sion James. He drives it to the free throw line, spin move. Now he's in the paint, dumps down low to Cross. A little jump shot from six feet is good. He's been able to shake free, and Cross in the first meeting had 17 and 8. James rushes it up, now gets cut off. They get it off to Cook, who's been pretty quiet. Dump pass inside. Cross over Russell. She was good. And Cross is the one that's doing all the damage. He's got six of their eight points. Yeah. Chiwa and others inside better beware of Cross because he's off to a big start with six points so far. He's made three of his four field goal attempts. Four minutes into this first half. Hines drives it into the paint right through three guys. Lost it on the way up. Picks it back up. His shot off the window is good. It wasn't pretty. Green has long-range potential. He's on the left wing. Cross-court pass caught by Corey Walker. Gets to 18 feet. Fires and hits. Corey Walker. Five minutes gone in this first half. Bulls lead 10-8. James back to cross long distance three from straight on is good. That's your center who had six points in the paint. Now he adds a three ball. Green 
Goes baseline side. Now a dump inside to Walker. Left-handed layup is good. He took it right at Noble Days. And Corey Walker Jr. has eight of the team's 14. And two brilliant passes by Javon Green, accounting for four of those eight points. Uh, Javon really got his playmaking game going strong tonight. Cook nearly got tied up, got free, and throws up a floater that goes in. And Brian Gregory said the guy traveled, and Jeffrey Clark is telling him that they tied him up briefly there, and he allowed, and allowed him to shuffle his pivot foot. Left side, Green. Long distance, three left wing. Good! Left-handed assassin, Javon Green, with a triple to tie the game at 17. Well, we've got a good one going on here. 12 minutes to go. Tied 17 all. Both teams going up and down, shooting well. Looks like another entertaining night of Bulls basketball. Oh, Joey, you jinxed it. No, seriously, he was right. Absolutely no one would have disagreed with that. So at that moment, the second media timeout, 17 to 17. Let's see, that is a pace for, you know, a game in the mid-80s. Tight. Ended up being 76 to 57 Tulane as the Bulls would miss their next seven shots. And the guys we told you were dangerous, Jalen Forbes and the one who had been hot of late, Jaden Coleman, indeed, had strong first halves. But you heard Cross, their center, had the big start as well. 11 points and seven rebounds. Forbes actually just hit one three but scored 11 points. He was a force. And then Coleman, a couple of threes. And he's kind of entrenched in their lineup now. Ron Hunter's got a really fine scoring team, and you got to keep pace with them. But other than that, listen, it's one thing to have an informed team, and Tulane is right in line yesterday with what they've been, the Green Wave. But the Bulls were kind of letting them drive by them and get clean looks, and they were draining them. And they were up 31-18 to with less than seven minutes to go after a Coleman three. But after their cold stretch, the Bulls were ready with the response. They find D.J. Patrick, left wing, fires a three. That's good. D.J. Patrick for the triple, and the Bulls needed that in the worst way. He's a guy that they really could use getting very, very hot in a game like this, and he's off to a a reasonable start burying that three-pointer. USF is actually two for five from beyond the arc. Sorrell Smith, they're playing way off him. He's going to launch the three, and he's going to make the three. Sorrell Smith, just his fourth make on the season in 28 attempts. Boy, did they need that one. They certainly did. Now the Bulls have cut it to single digits at 8. Tulane leads at 34-26. Cook into the near corner. Ball fake by Forbes. Now the defense recovers. Fadeaway jump shot. Hit the rim. Missed. And a rebound by Corey Walker. Bulls get another stop. Walker down the sideline. Caught by Sorrell Smith. Dumps it inside. Russell Chiwell goes down low to get it. And he lays it in. In the middle of three guys. And the Bulls have cut this thing all the way down to 6. That could have been bad, but... Russell Chiwa scooped the ball off the floor, made it. Now Tulane goes with a timeout. How about a 7-0 run? So at that point, you're in okay shape. If you can keep it around 6, then that's great. If you can cut into the lead, that's also great. We know that the problem of the Bulls this year has been closing out halves in general. Well, they would only get off three more shots. They turned it over a couple times. And I'm telling you, I was there. All were good looks. All looked like they were in. And they bounced out. So the end of the first half was not how you'd order it up. Here's kind of how it went. Caleb into the near corner to DJ Patrick. Loads up a three, fires around the rim and out. Third shot that's three quarters of the way down and popped out. Ten to go on the shot clock. Sion James out near midcourt with Corey Walker guarding. Now they go into their offense. Five to go on the shot clock. Gets a screen, leaves it for Forbes. Three on the shot clock. One dribble, ball fake. Gets a man in the air, makes it anyway. Even though he jumped into Corey Walker, he fired it. Length of the court shot by the Bulls doesn't go. And it is 41 to 28. Tulane shoots 57% 
in the first half. And when that's happening, it is going to be tough to make it your day. And the Bulls, indeed, were unable to do it. Give credit to the opponent. They've got it going. They had an 8-for-10 stretch in the second half, which included three three three-pointers. Yeah, they're a little cocky, but I guess... I'd be the same way if I was feeling it like they were. They're used to these tight games, and they were enjoying the fact that they were up by 23. The final margin ended up being 19 as Brian Gregory decided midway through the second half, brand new lineup. Brian Gregory is basically taking out every starter on the team. In the corner goes to Jake Boggs. Mark Kaya is in the game from Hudson High School. The former walk-on, Sorrell Smith, steps into a three. Good! Splashdown by Sorrell Smith, and St. Pete is in the house. Well, so far the move has worked. <laughs> the Bulls are one for one. Sam, it's the free throw line. Goes around James. Layup didn't go. Put back by Byron Matos with authority. All 260 pounds comes crashing down on the rim. Here's a lead pass to Sorrell Smith into the corner. He wants to load up another one. He lets it fly. Swishes it in. That's 16 for Sorrell. And he's done this, Joey, in limited minutes tonight. It's at least keeping the entertainment value going. The Sorrell Smith Reclamation Project show is, is on. Easily a season high. I saw his scoring average go up more than half a point. In his two years at Maryland, he did score in double figures four times, a high of 14 than last season at East Tennessee State. He did score 21, so not a career high, but definitely a bull high for Sorrell Smith. But, yeah, obviously the starters needed to do a little bit better job, especially on defense. I think the offense you know, did struggle to turn it over, but we told you Tulane's going to win the turnover battle if you were listening to yesterday's show. And getting into that and what makes it difficult, getting into his decision to swap everybody out at the end, and also a key piece that was missing and did make a difference, especially on defense. Here's Brian Gregory, a little bit of him with Jim and Joey after the game. I don't know what how much time was left, maybe five or six minutes. We cut it, we cut it to six. We kind of got our... Our footing back a little bit in terms of what we wanted to do. We struggled all night long guarding them, really struggled guarding them. And if everything's always going through the basket, now they're able to set up their press. Didn't do a good job of attacking the press. Um, and then now you're going against the zone the whole time. And by the time you bring it over half court after a made basket, now you're in the 22nd range. You know what I mean? So it started on the, on the defensive end, but then, you know, we're down six and we got to finish it out. And we've been doing that and we just, we didn't do it. We gave up a basket on a bad play on the defensive end in terms of the baseline out of bounds. And then uh, just couldn't, couldn't guard them, couldn't guard the, the dribble uh, at four different positions. And when they're able to get into the lane, they're able to either get close in baskets or... They suck in the help and are able to hit some threes, you know. So just unfortunately didn't compete, as we talked about, at the level that you need to compete with in this league against a team as, as, as good offensively as that. Uh, and then when they get, you know, offensively, they get it going a little bit. Now they start extending their defense. And, and we talked about the turnovers. 15 turnovers is just too many against this team. Brian, you're in a, a stretch, six games in 13 days, rigorous uh, schedule. You, you, are, you are coming off a very encouraging performance at Wichita State, and I know this wasn't the response you were looking for tonight. What, um, what did you see or what didn't you see that were, it was particularly disappointing overall? Well, I mean, it, you, you know, going into the game, we know we, we have very difficult in terms of, um, I thought in game one, uh, Jameer did a, a, a great job on, on Forbes. You know what I mean? And so we're in a little bit of a quandary there without him being able to play this, this game. 
Um, and obviously he's a you know, leading scorer with 22 points. The, the, the second thing is, we, you know, we have very, some difficult matchups in that. Our big guys now have to guard Cross up at the, at the, at the top. Um, and he kind of wheels and deals, and we were letting him get a little too deep, which meant the handoffs that they were running were on the completion of the handoff. They were already in the, the lane, you know. So, um, you know, we didn't have the, the, the execution on some of the defensive stuff that we, that, we, that we needed. You know, I thought at times when we were settled down and ran what we wanted to run, we got, you know, quality, quality looks. You know, if you take away Sorrell, who obviously – you know, played well offensively in the in the second half for us. We were eight of 15 from the three, which isn't world beaters, but it's a, it's better than we had been shooting. You know what I mean? So we got some good looks. Um, I thought DJ, you know, who was not able to do much today because uh, he was under the weather, and obviously uh, Byron was was that yesterday. So we just tried to piece some stuff together, but didn't play well enough or competed hard enough in order to beat a team that is as good as they are offensively. Talking with Bulls head coach Brian Gregory after a Tulane 76-57 win. Coach, you, you made a, a complete line change basically with about 9.34 to go. Uh, you put in all your subs, and those guys outscored what were still the Tulane starters uh, down the stretch, 16-12. to 12. Those kids played hard, and you mentioned Sorrell Smith, who had 17 points in 14 minutes. Yeah, you know, I was, I was pleased with, you know, obviously we made some mistakes and, and so forth, but at least those guys competed, you know what I mean? At least they competed. and, and uh, Was that the message to the yeah, starters? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you know, um, it... it there's a certain level that you have to do it at. And, and the thing that's obviously disappointing is, is we, for a week and a half now, we've played that way, you know, or a little, little over a week, I guess. But the last three games, we did compete at a much higher level, um, you know, and, and we just, we didn't, we didn't do that. And so I'm going to put in guys that were willing to, to do that. And, and those guys did some, they did some good things. They made some mistakes, obviously, but, they did a, a good job of fighting until the end. So maybe that message will be received and come out on the court against East Carolina tomorrow. We'll have a preview for you on tomorrow's show. Corey Walker had 11 points and four rebounds, but not much in the second half. Smith ended up with the 17 points. Bulls, 8 of 22 on threes. That's enough to get it done. The other side was 9 of 23 and overall finished better than 50% from the floor they did keep their starting point guard out there Jalen Cook the entire second half in a game again they were up by 23 and Cross only set out a minute in the second half but I I guess that's just what Ron Hunter does the Bulls got outscored points off turnovers 19 to 2 they definitely had a big edge in second chance points because there were no second chances for Tulane crazy right they had zero Offensive rebounds. It's not their area of specialty. The Bulls had 12 offensive boards for the year now. Tulane's opponents have 100 more, plus 100 more offensive rebounds. But I guess when you're not missing as many shots, there's not as many offensive rebounds to be had. Bulls are 2-10 and 10 in the conference now, 7-17 and 17 overall, while Tulane is 4th in the conference at 9-5 and five and just above 500 at 12-11. and 11. Obviously, they've got it going in conference play. The women's team is in second place in the conference, which, you know, you got to have perspective, right? We just told you the Bulls are second from last on the men's side, so why are we nervous about the women who are in second place? Well, because they've been in a woeful slump in shooting the three-point shot, and Bulls' opponents are packing it in defensively. That's what led Tulane to a win 
two Sundays ago at the Yingling Center. Now the Bulls have lost two in a row after just putting 33 points up against UCF. Hence my earlier mention of the word stifles. You never want this, but I thought it was quite the coincidence. And really was a coincidence. There's no way they could have gotten together on this. But the folks on the UCF website in Sunday's recap of that game against UCF said the Knights stifled the Bulls. And just so happened that Wednesday night's Tulane Green Wave website recap said that they stifled the Bulls. So hopefully it won't be a stifling tonight at the Yingling Center, unless it's the Bulls doing the stifling. The opponent they're taking on tonight was the team they started off conference play against. And I'm going to give you some first quarter evidence from that game that the Bulls can indeed make three-pointers in conference play. It happened. I was there. Go underneath the Betty, five on the shot clock, bounces it back to Chinecki. Sidney Harvey open for three, whips it over to Maria for another open look, and that one baked in. They'll take it. Maria Alvarez, so even though, again, she is the point guard, she has gotten open for a couple of looks, makes that one, and it's 13-2. Harvey. Whips it over to Chinecki against this 2-3 zone. Harvey pops wide open and knocks it down. Sydney Harvey, who was draining them at that basket yesterday in practice to our left. The Bulls are shooting it pretty well. And they're carrying it over right now, up 16-4. Popping open off two screens is Sydney Harvey on the right side, and the Bulls are rolling 19-4. It was a nice look by Elena Chinecki on that one. Her second assist. She's been passing the ball better of late. That ball just rims out. Frustration for Cincinnati right now. Out to Maria for an open three, good. Third opportunity of that possession and another three, four for eight are the Bulls from distance and they are crushing Cincinnati 22 to four. You heard it, they were up 23 to four. They were four of eight on threes and they ended up having an easy time in that conference opener, ended up being 61 to 46. Since that first quarter, the Bulls are 26 for 152 on threes. That is 17.2%. In that game, by the way, Elena Chinecki went the whole 40 minutes, scored 21 points, had five assists. Remember, this was the game Elisa Pinzon was unavailable. So Maria Alvarez played 40 minutes at point guard, had 13 points and seven assists. Betty Menunga, 14 points and 15 rebounds. On the other side, they were able to hold down their point guard. Akira Levy only scored four points. And Jillian Hayes, their outstanding power forward, was in foul trouble, so she was limited to just 28 minutes and 11 points. Cincinnati is just 3-8 and eight in the conference, 10-13 and 13 overall, but one of its wins was against UCF, and they're one of the best teams in the country, in fact, 20th in block shots. So the whole issue against UCF was Bulls not finishing strong, and that could be a problem tonight. But again, I think right now it's less about the opponent and more about the Bulls, and we'll tell you more about the Bearcats on tonight's pregame show, which begins at 6.45. But here on Bulls Beat, we've got golf interviews. Steve Bradley along with Alvin Bergstrom. And remember, we end the hour with some conference news as we go around the American. Stay tuned. This is Bulls Beat.